I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and one. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. If you're a stats man like myself, you're going to be right into this podcast. We have taken a deep dive, deep into the basement, crunching numbers, calculator got to work out, blew the dust off it. It has been an unreal little afternoon, and we've been having a deep dive onto the point scorers of Rugby League. Now, credit to uh, Joey is Goat on Instagram, champion fellow there who's come on our podcast. He alerted us uh, to this, and we, we, we sort of went through the numbers that he produced. They were all 100% correct as expected. But we also took a bit of a deeper dive uh, into these numbers and found some even more incredible stats off the back of it. So, obviously this year, we've seen more points scored than ever. Uh, a lot of people have been very anti the NRL this year. Personally, I haven't had a huge issue with it. I think it is going to uh, slow down a little bit as we move forward into the future. But... Like always, when you get a team that is red hot, that's scoring a lot of points, and you have a goal kicker who's playing as an outside back, they tend to score a lot of points. So Ruben Garrick, as it stands right now, Ruben Garrick has scored 274 points. The record for most points scored in a season was Hazamel Masri in 2004. Now, keep in mind, Hazam and the 2004 Bulldogs, they, of course, won the premiership. They went all the way to the grand final. Uh, even on grand final day, really close affair, but I think off the top of my head, Hazam scored two tries and kicked three goals. I think uh, he scored just about all of their points in that grand final, except for the one try that Matty Utah scored. So even on grand final day, he was adding points. But even if you take out the grand final, uh, Hazem, he's still clear from second place, who's on 380, uh, 308 points, Brett Hodgson. So he's clear, you know, 32-odd points there. Keep in mind, Brett Hodgson in 2005 also went all the way to the grand final, scored a try in the grand final from memory and kicked a couple of goals as well. So uh, Hazem, that record that he set is going to be really hard to break. You've obviously got Ruben and Garrick on 274. Now, there are two regular season matches left this season. Uh, there is another final series to come, obviously, for the Manly Seagulls. If they go all the way to the grand final, it means they will play three more games, potentially four more games if they finish outside the top four or they finish inside the top four and they lose week one. So, Ruben Garrick, he has got another five, potentially six weeks to go if he makes it all the way to the NRL Grand Final with the Manly Seagulls. So at the moment, he is scoring an average of 12.45 points a game, which is pretty damn impressive just quietly on average. So not even on a good day, just on average. And you've got to take into consideration that in the first five weeks of this competition, Manly went like a busted asshole and couldn't couldn't score any points. So pretty impressive for Ruben Garrick to be setting those sort of numbers. Now currently on 274, if he plays another six games at that average, that'll add 74 points uh, to his total so far this season, which would see him just break Hazemel Masri's record by six points. If they make it all the way to the grand final, if they play the remaining six games, and if Ruben Garrett keeps up that average. Now, you need to remember, obviously, you get into finals football as well, where traditionally, you probably don't see as many points scored. I think it's fair enough to say that a Ruben Garrick is going to score more points in a regular season because he gets to play Canterbury 
Brisbane Warriors, the sort of teams that leak a heap of points. Realistically, coming into finals footy, he's not going to get to play too many of those teams. They might get one sort of soft matchup if they play one of the bottom uh, one of the bottom top eight sort of teams, you know, the teams that finished seventh and eighth. You might be able to score some points on the Roosters, potentially the Parramatta Eels as well. Uh, but outside of that, you'd have to think that at least half of their finals games that they're going to play are going to be pretty tough matchups. So it is going to be a real tough gig for Ruben Garrick to be able to break that record. The thing that is on his side is that they play uh, the Canterbury Bulldogs this week. Then they play the North Queensland Cowboys next week. So potentially scoring 12.45 points a game, that could come down a little bit over the next two weeks. If Ruben Garrick was to kick a heap of goals over the next two weeks, score a few tries, which, I mean... Geez, you'd be brave to bet against him, wouldn't you? The way that he's going in supercoach and everything else. It might be a little bit easier than what it looks at the moment. But still, for Ruben Garrick to consistently keep that up, it is going to be very, very interesting for him. Nonetheless, an unbelievable season. Is worth noting that right now there is more points being scored than what we've ever seen. He's obviously a winger as well, so he scores a heap of tries. And he's playing outside Tom Trevojevic, who is probably in the best form of any footballer we've ever seen. And we know, we know that he loves throwing that cutout ball out to that edge as well. So there are a lot of things that have fallen the way of Ruben Garrick, but he still had to put a lot of balls over the goalpost and he still had to put a lot of balls down. And we, we know that he's not the sort of guy that is just putting easy tries down. Yeah, he creates things. He's always puts himself in the right spot. So well done to Ruben Garrick. It's an unreal record. Hopefully he does go on to break that record, but it's going to be a tough gig. Now, When you look at Ruben Garrick, 274 points so far this season in 22 games, averaging 12.45 points a game so far in season 2021. Incredibly impressive. When you look at the guys that hold the record, now the guy that holds the record is Hazamel Hazamel Masri. And as we said, he broke that record in 2004, the year the Bulldogs won the premiership. He scored 342 points from 28 games. I think he played every game that season. Hazam, they obviously went on to win the premiership. He scored that on an average of 12.21 points per game. So at the moment, at the very moment, Ruben Garrick is going at a better strike rate than what Hazamil Masri was by about 0.24 or something like that. So it is really close, but Hazam obviously played more games than Ruben Garrick. He would have to play every single game for the rest of the season, which means that they miss the top four or they lose week one of the finals in the top four, and then they go on to the grand final, which history tells us is very, very hard to do. So a big test for Ruben Garrick to be able to keep up the consistency that he's got at the moment and break Hazem Masri's record, which is incredible to think about. Now, the second highest scorer was Brett Hodgson in 2005. Also should note the 2005 West Tigers obviously won the premiership. Brett Hodgson was a full back in a team scoring a heap of points. He was instrumental in everything they do. One of the best support players we've ever seen and a goal kicker, obviously. So he also got to play 28 games in the 2005 season. Uh, Incredibly impressive. They went on to win that premiership, obviously. 28 games, 308 points at a strike rate of 11 points per game. Uh, Pretty impressive, once again, to score 11 points a game in every game for the entire season. Incredibly impressive. We did mention that off the top of our head, he did score probably 12 or 14 points in the 2005 grand final. So Brett Hodgson sits at number two. Number three, once again, Hazamil Marjorie. Two years after he made the record in 2004, he came up with the third highest one ever. 2006, Hazamil Masri, he scored just under 300 points. So he scored 296 points that season, but he only played... 26 games. So he was at a strike rate of 11.38, which was 0.38 higher than what Brett Hodgson did at the year before in 2005. Not as high as where Hasm scored in 2004, though, when he made the record at 12.21 points per game. I hope you're sticking with me on these stats and points per game. It's a real tongue twister. Now, the fourth highest of all time is Jared Croker. Now, he set that record in 2016 when the Canberra Raiders were on fire. That was the year that Leipana was just taking the piss out of every left left edge defense in this competition. Now, Jared Croker in 2016, he scored the same amount of points as Hazem did 10, 10 years earlier in 2006, 296 points, but Croker did it in 27 games, which is one more game than what Hazem El Masri did it in. Croker scored on an average of 10 
1.96 points per game that season. So just 0.4 under what Hasm did 10 years earlier in 2006. A great knock by Jared Croker there. Now, the fifth highest score. Once again, Hazemil Rosemary, uh, unbelievable that he is setting this many records. It's uh, just batshit crazy. He actually set this one before all the other ones. This was 2003. Now, in 2003, Hazem scored 294 points, so just six points under the 300-game mark. He did it in 27 games here at an average of 10.88 points per season. So another incredible knock by Hazem. This is what I want to touch on. Hasm obviously held, of the top five highest point scorers ever in a season, three of them are the man himself, Hasm El Magic, Hasm El Masri. Now, an incredible effort to obviously hold three of the five highest point scoring seasons of all time. To make it even more impressive, he did it all within four years as well. Now, the one year we haven't mentioned was, you know, his pretty lackluster year, which was 2005. He had a couple of injuries. He only played 18 games that season, scoring 180 points. So, at an average of 10 points per game, which is just under a lot of these record-setting seasons as well. But that was his low season. Now, have a listen to these numbers. Over those four seasons in 03, 04, 05, and 06, as we said, Hazemil Masri, he held three of the top five point scorers ever. Over that four-year span, Hazem scored 1,112 points in 99 games. So just under 100 games, he scored over 1,100 points at a strike rate of 11.11. Now think about his greatest season ever, 2004, the greatest point-scoring season we've ever seen in rugby league. He scored an average of 12.21. So over those four years, he averaged just one point less than the greatest point-scoring record of all time that he, of course, held himself. And it was part of those four-year stats as well, so that does play a role in that. But I think that is incredible from Hazemel Masri to average 11.11 points per game across four seasons. Unbelievable stuff from Hazem. I think that is just so impressive, and those numbers are crazy. Now, as I mentioned... We did. Uh, we were inspired to do this podcast from the great page on Instagram, one of my favourites, at Joey is Goat. Of course, a uh, bloke that came on our podcast a couple of months ago who is trying to get a statue of Andrew Johns. I think Bloke in a Bar and Hello Sports mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, so hopefully that gathered a little bit of momentum. But it should be remembered that this page has been going hard at this for years. So don't think this is all a Denon and Hello Sports thing. This guy has been going tooth and nail for this for a long time. Now, he pointed out, Joey in 2001, obviously the year that Newcastle Knights won the premiership. Now, Joey, he only played 21 games. Should be noted as well, uh, of those 21 games, four of them were finals games, yes? So obviously the harder games, the harder teams to compete with. Uh, It should also be noted uh, that in that season that he played finals, the grand final, they obviously won it. It was a high-scoring affair, but it should be noted that it was against quite possibly the best team we've ever seen to not win a premiership. So a really tough year to hold a record like this. You look at the other teams that he played in the final series there, the Sydney Roosters, they went on to win the premiership the year after. The Cronulla Sharks, they were a top three, a top four team for those two or three years there. So some pretty stiff competition coming up against Joey there in the final series, and that's where he got a lot of his points from as well, because as we know with Joey, uh, he puts on his best performances on the big stages. Now, in this 2001 season, he only played 21 games, as we said. Uh, sorry, not four of them. Three of them were finals games, so a lot harder to score points, but he did have a couple of big, big days out. In round seven against the New Zealand Warriors, uh, the Newcastle Knights won 45-24. to Joey scored... Three tries, eight goals, and one field goal. So doing guru maths off the top of my head, eight goals, that's 16 points, plus three tries, that's 12, that's 28, plus a field goal. So he scored 29 individual points that day against the New Zealand Warriors, which is an incredible knock. A couple of weeks later in round 21, taking on the Canberra Raiders, the Knights won this one 54-26. to 26. Uh, Joey John scored four tries, that is 16 points, and he kicked nine goals, which is 18 points. So what are we doing? 18 plus 16. What are you looking at there? Like 34 points or something. Just unbelievable the numbers that he was putting up this season. Now, 21 games, 279 points, which is still 
Uh, 279 points is what? What are we looking at here? About 63 points under what Hazem El-Mazri scored in the record-breaking season in 04. But it should be noted, he scored these points at an average of 13.28 per game in the 2001 season. And he missed a lot of regular season games, which you would assume the Newcastle Knights probably would have scored more points in than what they scored in the final series. And just a bit of quick maths for you. I'm not doing this off the top of my head. I'm not that smart, as you all know. 13.28 points per game for Joey in 2001. If he would have played the same amount of games as what Hazemel Masri did in 2004, would have been a grand total of... 371.84 points in that season. If he played 28 games and he played at the same rate, which I mean, would we really put it past Joey realistically, knowing the sort of freak that he is and knowing that he went to the finals and he did the exact same stuff anyway? Um, an unbelievable effort from Joey. And I mean, on top of that, let's look at the names that we've mentioned here. Hazemil Masri, Brett Hodgson, Croker, Ruben Garrick. What do you notice about these guys? Notice that they're not forwards? Yep. Do you notice uh, that they're halfbacks? No. Do you notice that they're 5'8"s? No. They're all wingers, centers, or fullbacks. Where you score a lot of your points, Joey was a halfback, which just makes it even more incredible for me what Joey did. And on top of that, let's have a look at what Ruben Garrick's done this year, which has been unbelievable in the highest point-scoring era of all time. He's played 22 games. He scored 274 points. In Joey's 21 games, which included three games of finals and a grand final, as we said, he scored five more points than Ruben Garrick in one less game. It is incredible. Joey was average, averaging just under a point more a game as what Ruben Garrick is this year in the highest point-scoring era of all time. Ruben Garrick, he is doing unbelievable things, but when you look back in the history books, what Joey achieved in 2001 is mind-blowing. What Hazem achieved over four years to average 11.11 points per game across four seasons, that is absolutely mind-blowing. To score over 1,100 points in 99 games across four seasons, Honestly, it defies belief some of these records that these guys are breaking. You would have to think with some of the goal kickers around nowadays, Ruben Garrick is going to have to be a really good shot to break plenty of these records moving forward if Tom Trevojevic and the Manly Seagulls stay in the form they are in. When you finally get one of these wingers that is like an Alex Johnson or one of these guys that is one of the top try scorers and can kick goals, very similar to what we're seeing with Ruben Garrick, of course. Uh, gee whiz. It is going to be very, very interesting how quickly all these points are going to fall if this competition doesn't even up very quickly. As we all know, the Sydney Roosters, they have suffered a huge amount of injuries this year. They've had a couple of retirements as well. We're talking Jakey Friend, Boyd Cordner, Brett Morris. I mean, the list just goes on and on. You look at the guys that are missing at the moment, Victor Radley, Lindsay Collins, you know, Joseph Suwali, Ikevalu, Billy Smith. I mean, the list, it honestly just keeps on going. And for me, I noticed on Instagram today, uh, on the Instagram page, All Things Rugby League Pod, uh, a, a new page has just come up, a new podcast that's just uh, popped up over the last few days and I thought they had a really good post talking about if the Roosters right now starting 13 they have running out this weekend against the South Sydney Rabbitohs took on the best 13 of the current unavailable Sydney Roosters which team would win and I'll tell you what I reckon this is one of the most even battles you would see this season. Now, if you have a look at the current team that the Roosters are running out this weekend, at fullback, James Tedesco, on the wings, Daniel Tupu and Brad Abbey. In the centres, Lachlan Lamb and Joey Manu. So you have a look at that back line for starters. You've obviously got Lachlan Lamb, who isn't a centre, playing centre. You've obviously got Brad Abbey as well, who is a guy that he hasn't really played a heap of first grade. He was an absolute freak when he was younger, but he hasn't really kicked on. He hasn't got a heap of experience. They chose to get Dale Copley from Brisbane instead of playing Brad Abbey. So obviously not a really, really a high standard sort of football there, Brad Abbey. Uh, then you look at their halves. Uh, Drew Hutchinson, a journeyman that has never really had a gig anywhere. He's played some decent footy, no doubt about it. Uh, but at the start of the season, if I would have said to you, Drew Hutchinson is going to start some games for the Roosters, you would have laughed at me. Sam Walker, who is a teenager, he was he's an absolute freak, no doubt about it. But he's in his first season of rugby league. Uh, very small body as well. Very talented though. Up front, and this is where the current team gets their strength. 
strength form. Jared Rhea Hargraves and Siwa Takiaho, probably two of the premier front rowers in our game. There's not many teams that have a better front row combination than the Sydney Roosters. So that's definitely a strong point for the starting side. Sam Verrills, he's obviously a premiership winner and scored a try in the 2019 grand final. Uh, has played his fair whack at footy now. He's definitely a first grader. You wouldn't say he's at that high end of hookers in our game, though. You wouldn't even consider him as far as any representative teams go. But for club footy, Sam Verrill's a very good nine to have there. Driving in the back row, uh, and Satili Tupanua, a guy with high-end potential, has sort of been shifted around the team a little bit, out into the centres, into the second row a little bit. Uh, so, you know, a, a, a really good replacement, a solid first grader, but still an inexperienced player as well. And he's partnered with Egan Butcher, who I think is going to be a superstar. I think he's going to be an absolute gun. But a guy that hasn't played 80 minutes of first-grade football yet, he's very raw, he's very young, he's in the very early parts of his career. Uh, I think Egan Butcher's going to be a freak. But at this point, I mean, it's a big downgrade from where they were six months ago with the guys they had starting then. And then, of course, in Jersey 13, Isaac Liu, one of the experienced guys in this team, one of the underrated guys in this team as well. Obviously, heading to the Gold Coast Titans next year, that'll be a fantastic signing for them. But doesn't really have that high-end ball-playing ability of Victor Radley. I mean, if if you had the choice out of the two of them, I'm taking 70% of Victor Radley over 100% of Isaac Liu, with all due respect to him. It also changes their team up a little bit without having Radley. Has a pretty dramatic effect on them. Now that is the current Roosters 13 that is running out this weekend against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Cannot wait for that game. I believe it's the late game Friday night, so that'll be a sensational clash. But you can obviously see that considering their Roosters side, considering their fourth, I think at the moment they might be fifth. I'm pretty sure they're fourth still. I mean, pretty impressive where they are. They're obviously playing well above their weight and they're getting the very best out of the guys they do have. I mean, you only have to look at the weekend. James Sadesco, one of the best performances of his career. Daniel Tupu, one of the experienced guys in this team, came up with three meaties. Uh, we look at Jared Rhea Hargraves and Takiaho. They were huge in the front row. And I don't have their bench written down here directly in front of me, but if you have a look at their bench right now for this week, and this is where they, they fall off a lot, but they still get the best out of these young guys. I mean, none of these guys you probably expected to ever be in the starting 17 for the Roosters this year until all these injuries struck. So, a massive test for the club, and I think it will pay dividends next year. I think they're going to be a serious problem as we've spoken about quite a bit. Now, that's their starting 13 heading into this weekend. Now, you go and you have a look at the injury list the Roosters have right now. I mentioned a couple of big names before. I'm going to run you through the best seven, the, the best 13, sorry, not 17, the best 13 that we could make out of guys that are unavailable for the Sydney Roosters this week. So that could mean that they are injured, retired, or suspended. One of those three categories, and there are a heap from all three of those categories as well. So let's have a look. The first man at fullback, we've gone with Joseph Suwali there. Now, obviously a guy that hasn't played a heap of first grade is an unreal talent. And I mean, there's obviously a number of guys in the best in the starting 13 right now uh, that are inexperienced. This would be another one. But Suwali, he's just got high-end potential. I think he would do a job there at fullback. It's a big downgrade from James Tedesco. No doubts about it. But for me... Geez, Sawali, it's a pretty handy guy to have there, realistically. So for me, you give a tick there to the current 13 of the Sydney Roosters. Obviously, an advantage for them over this injured and suspended 13 at fullback. Let's have a look on the wings. You've got Ikevalu and Brett Morris. Now, for me... I would rather have Daniel Tupu than I would rather have Matt Ikevalu. So your current 13 gets a tick there, but there's no doubt about it. I'm taking Brett Morris every day of the week over um, over Brad Abbey for them. So the, the injured 13 gets another tick there. So we're three positions in. It's 2-1 to the current 13 for me. Uh, we have a look at the centers. Current Roosters, Lachlan Lamb and Joey Manu. Uh, and then we look at the injured, suspended Roosters. You've got Josh Morris and Billy Smith. Now, for me, I would rather have Josh Morris than Lachlan Lamb. So the injured 13 gets a tick there for me. But I would also rather have Joey Manu uh, over... Billy Smith there. I really do like Billy Smith. I think he's a really talented guy, but I mean, you can't possibly leave out Joey Manu, you know? So the current 13 gets another tick there. Now we move into the halves, and this is where it gets really, really interesting. For the injured and suspended Roosters, you've obviously got Adam Kieran and Luke Keary. You could play them at 7-6, whichever way you want to go. For the current Roosters, you've got Drew Hutchinson and Sammy Walker. For me, Luke Keary. If you're going to look at these four guys and pick the best two, one of them has to be Luke Keary. There is no doubt 
doubt about that whatsoever. So the injured 13 gets a tick there. Out of the other three guys, you're looking at Adam Kieran, Sammy Walker, and Drew Hutchinson. I think Sam Walker has to get the tick here for the current 13. So Sam Walker. So we've just gone through our back line. And at the moment... It's 4-3 to three in favor of the current 13, which is pretty scary to think about. Now, I want you to consider the amount of forwards that the Sydney Roosters are missing. I think this is going to get really interesting on the run home here. I'm just doing a system where I go player by player and choosing which one I would rather. I'll talk about the combinations of these teams at the end, obviously, because on paper, you can't just compare player to player, and that'll give you a result. But we'll do it this way to start. Now, if you have a look at the current Roosters, as I said, their big advantage is their front row. Jared Rare Hargraves and Siwa Takiyaho, yeah, a big, big plus there. You, you look at the injured suspended roosters. We've gone for Lindsay Collins, who I have got huge wraps on, as you all know. I'm a big Lindsay Collins fan. I think he's a real star of our game. And the other front row we had to go with is Nat Butcher. Now, straight away, Nat Butcher, I think he, he he's the last one out of those guys that you would want. And obviously, Jared Rhea Hargraves, I think he's the top one realistically. So I would go with Jared Rhea Hargraves in the current 13. But I'll tell you what, if you're telling me to make a decision between Lindsay Collins and Takiyaho, based off the form we saw from Lindsay Collins last year, compared to the form we've seen from Takiyaho this year as a whole, I think I have to go Lindsay Collins, to be perfectly honest with you. It's really close, and I could hear the arguments for both sides, and Takiyaho has started to find a bit of form in the last few weeks once again. But I think as a whole, from what I've seen of Lindsay Collins last year, from what I saw him do in State of Origin last year as well, which I thought was incredibly impressive, I think I have to give him the tick there just slightly over Siwa Takiyaho. So at the moment... We've got five ticks for the current 13, four for the height for the injured 13 there. Let's have a look at the hooker roll. Now, for the current team, you got Sammy Verrills lining up this weekend against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. The injured, suspended, slash retired Roosters 13, though, we have got Jake Friend there. And for me, you've got to take the experience there in Jake Friend. Over 300 games, or close, I think it's actually about 280, sorry, close to 300 games. Uh, he's a guy that's won, what is it, three premierships, two premierships, three premierships. I'm pretty sure. So very hard to leave Friendy out of it. I have to take him in the injured 13. So Jake Friend in the hooker role, they get the job done there. Now we move into the second row. And as I said, the current Roosters, Egan Butcher, Satili Tupanua, two stars of the future, two guys that I've got huge wraps on. But I mean, when you compare it to the injured 13, wow. Boyd Cordner and Angus Crichton. If they would, if you were have said, would have said to me at the start of this season, hey, at the end of this season, the two back rowers of the Kangaroos are going to be Boyd Corner and Angus Crichton, I would have gone, yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Boyd Corner's the captain of Australia. Angus Crichton is probably one of, if not the best second rower in our game. I wouldn't push back on that at all. So for me, I think it has to go to the injured, suspended, and the retired Roosters there. None of these guys are injured. Of course, Boyd Cordner, he has retired now. And Angus Crichton, he is suspended. So that's two ticks in the back row for the injured 13. And that's going to be a big win for them. Let's have a look at the starting 13. The lock forward in the current Roosters side, taking on the South Sydney Rabbitohs this weekend. It is Isaac Liu, a guy that has played for his country. He has won grand finals. He's now signed with the Gold Coast Titans on a pretty long-term deal and a big deal there. So Congratulations to him. He's been an unreal player for a long time. And, I mean, if you look at what they've achieved and rep games and everything, Isaac Leo, it's pretty impressive. But, I mean, if you've got eyes and you understand rugby league, it has to be Victor Radley here. Uh, a guy that's been in a bit of trouble this year, but... For me, when I look back at the turning point for the Roosters, everyone says, oh, it was Cooper Cronk arriving, it was James Tedesco arriving, and yeah, I, I can understand that argument, but up until about round 8, 9, 10 of the 2018 season, this Roosters team was looking incredibly clunky, and if you go back and have a look at the history books, there is one key change that happens, and if you were following the guru back then, you know that we were calling for it for ages. They move Victor Radley into Jersey 13, and Isaac Liu becomes a middle forward on the bench there, and that's what turned their season around. Uh, Victor Radley, he was the glue that brought this team together, and he still is, in my opinion. It's going to be massive for the Chooks to get him back in the final series. So for me, Victor Radley, he gets the tick here by a country mile. Now, all I've done here is gone through the starting 13 players for the injured side and for the starting 13 that's running out this weekend. I've just given ticks. I've gone player for player and given my opinion on each of them. From the current team, uh, they had five ticks. To the injured 13, they had eight there. So a big difference there for me, and it really was the back row. And as I said before, if you said to me, hey, um, the Australian back row will be Boyd Corner, Angus Crichton, and Victor Radley, 
If you would have said to me at the start of the year, that's what it's going to be at the end of the year, I probably wouldn't have pushed back on you, to be perfectly honest with you. Yes, there's other guys you could pick there that would be well and truly deserving of it, but I don't think it's crazy to think that that could be your Kangaroos back row, realistically. I think that the two back rowers have been unreal. Boyd Corner was the Australian captain. Angus Crichton, arguably one of the best back rowers in our game, if not the best. And Victor Radley, without a doubt, one of, if not the best, 13 in our game, depending on how you want to play. So I think that's a pretty easy win, and the forward pack really brought it home there. Uh, and of course, having Jake Friend as well, which is massive. Now, if I look at it, not looking on paper, if I look at how these teams would line up, obviously the first thing that stands out to me is that the current Roosters side, they have the best player out of both teams, and it is James Tedesco. You saw on the weekend just how good he was. He was unreal. I then look at the rest of the spine, though, and it is young. Drew Hutchinson, Sam Walker, Sammy Verrills. Now, they've obviously overachieved this year. They've done incredibly well. There's no doubt about it, but I'm not sure if they are going to be able to beat your teams like the Penrith Panthers, like the Melbourne Storm, and I mean, that's a sort of experience that you'd be coming up against against this injured, suspended, retired side. You have a look at their spine. You've obviously got the inexperience in Joseph Sawali and you've got the inexperience in Adam Kieran, no doubt about it. But Luke Keary at seven, a guy that's won, what is it, three premierships in six years or something like that. He's a Clive Churchill medalist as well. He stood up in big moments time and time again. And, of course, the hooker, Jake Friend, three premierships, 280 first-grade games. That sort of stuff really matters for me. So... As much as James Tedesco is by far and away the best player on the field, uh, geez, the experience on the other side of the park, I think it really stacks up. When I have a look at the centers and the wingers, obviously Daniel Tupu, he's the standout for me. Daniel Tupu and Joey Manu on this side. Uh, two guys that, you know, they're, they're not young, but they're, they're not sort of at the back end of their career. Daniel Tupu's been around for a fair whack, to be fair, and he's such a great kicking target. He's just so reliable. And Joey is another X factor. If I said to you, if you look at these two teams, and I said, who are the two guys you're probably most worried about. Who are the two guys with the high-end X-Factor? I think you would have to say James Tedesco and Joey Manu. They're the two guys that really scare you. When I look at this injured side, though, Matt Ikevalu, he's proved to be really solid, but you wouldn't really put him into the conversation with these other guys. Uh, you look at Josh and Brett Morris, though, and there is just years upon years of experience there. And as I've always said, that sort of stuff matters. In defense, they're both fantastic. They're reliable as all hell. I would back Josh Morris in to do a job on Joey Manu, to be honest with you, or at least hold him at bay. Uh, but it's really hard to compare these sort of guys. You get into the front row, you've obviously got Lindsay Collins and Nat Butcher. I think that the current Roosters team wins that battle, uh, obviously with Jared Rhea Hargraves and Takiyaho, guys that have won premierships as well, guys that have been successful. I hold Lindsay Collins in the highest regard, but these other two, they're just a different breed, aren't they? Then you get into the back row, and this is where I start to lean towards the way of the suspended roosters because having a Victor, a Victor Radley in Jersey 13 is massive. I think that he just gets the absolute best out of this footy side. And to have a guy like Board Corner on your team, Angus Crichton on the other side, they are going to be a serious problem to deal with. Honestly, I think this game would be just so close. I think it would be unbelievable. And I think I would go with the injured, suspended, and retired Roosters 13, to be honest with you. Off the back of that back row and having Luke Keary in their side, along with the Morris boys, I really do think they'd be hard to handle. Having Lindsay Collins is massive. If they didn't have him and they had to shove someone else in there, my mind probably changes, to be honest with you. But also having a premier front rower, that really makes a big difference in this side. But if you said to me, James Tedesco is going to be the best man on the field, I think I have to go with the current Roosters. If you said to me that Teddy... And Joey Mano in this game are going to be, you know, two of the top five performers. I think they can probably get the job done there. It's really interesting to think about, guys. Let me know. Send me a message on the Instagram page where you sit on this. For me, I think I would go just slightly with the injured, suspended, retired Roosters. But good God, it is a really tough call. Just to run you through those teams one more time. The injured Roosters side, Sawali, Ikevalu, Josh Morris, Billy Smith, Brett Morris, Adam Kieran, Luke Keary, Lindsay Collins, Jake Friend, Nat Butcher, Boy. Boyd Cordner, Angus Crichton, and Victor Radley. Compared to the current 13 running out for the Sydney Roosters this weekend against the South Sydney Rabbitohs, James Tedesco, Daniel Tupu, Lockie Lamb, Joey Manu, Brad Abbey, Drew Hutchinson, Sammy Walker, Warrior Hargraves, Verrills, Takiyahu, Egan Butcher, Satili Tupanua, and Isaac Liu. Two champion teams, and I'll tell you what, I'm having a look at these squads. When these teams get back together next year, obviously you're going to have guys like Boyd Cordner, Jake Friend, Brett Morris, potentially Josh 
Josh Morris not returning. Isaac Liu is moving on. But gee whiz, when you throw in Angus Crichton, Victor Radley, uh, Lindsay Collins back into the fray, Luke Keary, uh, Billy Smith, Suwali, this Roosters team, they are going to be a serious problem next year. And a lot of these young guys have got a lot more experience uh, than what they should have got this season realistically. It's going to pay dividends. The big one for me, though, of course, Luke Keary returns. Absolutely massive. There's not too many premier halves in our game. The Roosters have one that they're just waiting to bring back next season. 2021 fan poll. The the answers, I was going to say answers. The results of the 2021 fan poll, they have come out over the last 24 hours. Now, I haven't looked at them properly. I've seen one result, which was, of course, player of the year because the Hello Sports boys couldn't keep their mouth shut. So that's the only one that I have seen. Outside of that, I have avoided this completely so that I can give my live reaction to give my predictions for each of the positions as we go. So doing it live, there might be times where I forget guys here and there. I was doing a live the other night and I was naming my best halfback. Can you believe it? I forgot Nathan Cleary. I went Jerome Hughes, DCE, Adam Reynolds, and thought, yeah, I'm flying here. I'm doing well. And then uh, a couple of minutes later, I I slid through the comments that were on the live, and there was about 40 people saying, Nathan Cleary, you dickhead. So that might happen from time to time, but hopefully not. Hopefully I can nail all this down pretty well. So 2021 fans polls the result. Okay. For favourite team, which premiership team do you support? Now, I would assume the normal suspects will be right up at the top there. The Brisbane Broncos, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Uh, I would say it would have to be one of those two teams. I think the Penrith Panthers would be pretty uh, pretty popular at the moment as well. I, I know last year it felt like everyone was going for the fucking Panthers. But I still think the Broncos and the South Sydney Rabbitohs will probably lead this charge. I know they have the most members. Let's have a look. Broncos, 9%. Rabbitohs, 9%. Seagulls, not Melbourne, 12%. Wow. Storm, 12%. I did not see that coming. That is a sign of the times. How good is that for the Melbourne Storm to be sitting at 12%? Yes, they won the competition last year, but I mean, considering they are just in absolute rugby league wilderness, for the Melbourne Storm to be at 12%, I think that's an incredibly good knock. And then you've got the guru down the bottom at 1%. Don't support a team. That's from 28,000 votes as well. It's a great knock by the Melbourne Storm. Okay, who's been the best player in 2021? Uh, look, I would have guessed this one anyway. I think Blind Freddy could have guessed this one for you. 51% for Tom Travojevic. That is huge. Now, you've got to remember with this award uh, and the voting that people are going through, obviously a lot of people would have voted for the player in their own team or whatever. But for 27,000 votes, Tom Travojevic has picked up 51% of them. A good knot. The next closest was Nathan Cleary on 17%. I think Cleary has been unreal this year. Where's Cody Walker? What's he at? Um, Cody Walker is it 4%. Wow. Only 4% for Cody Walker. That's pretty grim. He's, he, he's behind Jerome Hughes this year. So tough gig there for Cody Walker. But Tom Travojevic, the standout, no doubt about it. Best coach. Best coach in 2021. Okay, for me, I think it has to be Craig Bellamy. Um, obviously, coming off a season where Cam Smith retired and they've somehow got better, he's been missing a heap of guys throughout the season and they're still, what have what they won, 18, 19 in a row. So I think it has to be Bellamy. I think, though, that you'll see Trent Robinson get a fair whack of votes here, and deservingly so. I think he's done an unreal job with them this year. Outside of that, Wayne Bennett will pick up a few, but I think it has to be Craig Bellamy. But I'm, I'm hoping that Trent Robinson can pick up maybe 10% here because I think he's done an incredible job. All right, let's go. Craig Bellamy, 57%. That is impressive. Wayne Bennett, 7%. Ivan Cleary, 7%. Des Hasler, 8%. Trent Robinson, 12%. Yeah, okay, I think that's fair. I think Trent Robinson's done an incredible job this year and, you know, no shock, all those other guys sitting right up there, a couple of guys with 0%, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, it's essentially everyone's on 1% except for the guys that are in the top six outside of Brad Arthur pretty much. So I think that's a pretty fair whack. Best fullback. Who's been the best fullback so far in 2021? I think for me it has to be Tom Travojevic. I don't think there's any doubts there. Uh, and Tom Travojevic, he gets it with 62%. He was obviously the player of the year. Next closest was James Tedesco on 12%. Uh, but, geez, you'd be a brave person to bet against Tom Travojevic this year, wouldn't you? The best winger. Who's been the best winger in 2021? Uh, for me, I would probably go Josh Adokar. Just based off what he's done the last few years, I think he's been unreal still. But I think Brian Toto will probably get it here. Uh, I still think Josh Adokar is criminally underrated. Uh, but Brian Toto, I really wouldn't push back if he got it. If AJ got it, 
I wouldn't be upset about that either, but I think it has to be Fox or Toto. I would go with Fox. Let's see who's been the best winger in 2021. Josh Adokar, 28%. Alex Johnson, 18%. Brian Toto, 33%. All right. So Brian Toto has knocked over Josh Adokar by 5% there. And as I said, uh, I would go Adokar, but I also wouldn't push back on Brian Toto at all. That's a well-deserved bit there. Okay, best center. Who's been the best center in 2021? Joey Manu will always be right up there. Uh, Justin Olam is the other one that I'd be looking at. I think he's been sensational for the Melbourne Storm. No one else really jumps out at me. I would probably go Olam this year. I think that Melbourne Storm left edge has been unreal, and he's been great. He's, he has had the ball in his hands in a couple of crunch moments earlier in the season. Didn't make uh, the very best out of it. But outside of that, he's just been so hard to handle. And in defense, he's just been such a force as well. So I would go with Justin Olam as my best center in 2021. Let's have a look. Joey Manu, 26%. Yeah, Justin Olam, 34%. Matt Burton, I forgot about Matty Burton at 19% there as well. So Olam takes it at one, Joey Manu two, and Matty Burton at three. I think that's fair. Joey Manu's still got 26%. So uh, that's saying something about how well he's gone. I think he has played some of his best footy this year when he has been jumping in at fullback as well, though, realistically. Uh, But he's obviously starting to play all over the park. Joey Manu, the further we go. So he's been very impressive. But Justin Olam, I think that's 100% 100% a fair shout. Who's been the best 5-8 in 2021? Uh, I think you'd have to go Cody Walker here. I think Cody Walker has to win this one in a landslide. Um, I, don't, I don't even know who you'd have after him, to be honest with you. Jerome Lewis started the season really well, but I think he's died off a little bit. I'm not sure when these votes were done, but you'd have to think Jerome Lewis wouldn't be overly close to Cody Walker. Cam Munster hasn't really played that great this year, so I wouldn't have him anywhere near Cody Walker either. I'm expecting Cody Walker to get about 50% here realistically. Let's have a look. Who has the best 5'8"? Who has been the best 5'8"? In 2021, Jerome Luai, 30%. Cam Munster, 24 Cody Walker only at 36 So Cody Walker does win it by 6% over Jerome Luai. Jeez, I think Cody's been hard done by there just quietly. I don't understand how Cam Munster's got to 24%. The best 5'8 in 2021, I mean... I think people are tipping Cam Munster there based off previous season's form, realistically. 2021, I don't think he's been anywhere near the level of Cody Walker. I, I think Cody Walker's been very... He's won it, but geez, I think he's been hard done by there at only 36%. Who's been the best halfback in 2021? Uh, this will be Nathan Cleary by the length of the straight, followed by the other three, obviously Adam Reynolds, Jerome Hughes, and DCE. I'm not sure the order that they will go in there. Let's have a look. Uh, Nathan Cleary, 58%. Adam Reynolds, 11 Jerome Hughes, 18 And DCE, 5%. So Jerome Hughes, second best halfback, as voted by you guys behind Nathan Cleary. Adam Reynolds in third with 11%. And DCE, fourth place with just 5%. The next man after that was Sammy Walker. So a really good knock by him in his debut season there, coming in at 3%. Okay, best lock. Who's been the best lock in 2021? Um, Jeez, tough. Victor Radley hasn't played enough footy for me. Neither has Dale Finucane. Jake Trevojevic has been good with, without being... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Being sensational. Um, you couldn't give it to Jason Taumalolo, I don't think. I don't think he's played enough footy on when he has. He hasn't been anywhere near as impressive enough. I think it comes down to two fellas. It has to be Isaiah Yo or Cam Murray. Uh, I th- would probably go with Cam Murray this year. I think Isaiah Yo probably isn't as appreciated by a lot of fans as what he should be. So I'm going to go with Cam Murray in this one. And let's have a look. Best lock. Wow, really close. Isaiah Yo, 27%. Cam Murray, 28%. So Cam Murray just takes it. Outside of that, you've got Dale Finucane at 12%. Victor Radley at 8 Big Tino at 6 
and Tao Malolo at 5%. Jake Travojevic at 8% as well. Nathan Brown coming in with 2%. Yeah, I think that's fair. As I said, I was really struggling to split Cam Murray and Isaiah Yo. Cam Murray's won it by 1%, which I think is a pretty fair shout, realistically. Good to see Isaiah Yo so high up there. Um, I really like that. Obviously, Cam Murray, he's got a lot more attacking upside as far as tackle breaks and line breaks sort of goes compared to Isaiah Yo. But I think people are more and more appreciating the role of a lock forward, and especially the way that Isaiah Yo does it. A very impressive footballer. All right, best second rower in the game. I've got a feeling this will be David Fafita, but I personally couldn't give it to him. Um, I think Kikau will probably be up there. He's always destructive. But I think Angus Crichton and probably Isaiah Papali'i have probably been my picks realistically, but I do think people will go David Fafita. Let's have a look. Best second rower. Viliami Kikau, 10%. Jesus. Isaiah Papali'i, 24%. Well done, people. Well done. I like that. Angus Crichton at 14 David Fafita only at 14 14% is still a good knock for Fafita, I guess, but I thought people would get wrapped up in the highlights a little bit more. How good is that for Isaiah Papali'i to be sitting on 24%? The New Zealand Warriors didn't want him in their first 20 last year. He arrives at the Parramatta Eels, does well in a couple of trials, and all of a sudden he's the best back rower, not in their club, but in the game. That is incredibly impressive, as voted by us fans. Isaiah Papali'i, well-deserved there. What a sensational knock. What a story. That is unreal. So good to see. You love to see that sort of stuff. All right, best prop in the game. Who's the best prop in 2021? Um, For me, I would probably go with mix of guys like James Fisher-Harris. I would have Jared Rhea Hargraves right up there. Payne Haas obviously has the highlights to him. Um, I really like Adam Fanua Blake as well. Daniel Saifidi, Christian Welsh. Yeah, there's a couple of really handy fellas. I think Payne Haas, he's probably got that attacking upside and he constantly has uh, these big stats games as well. He's also in a team where, you know, he has to be the superstar week in, week out. He can't really take a week off Payne Haas. And he's just had all those extra effort plays in his game this year as well, which have been very impressive. So I'm going to go with Payne Haas. But I don't think James Fisher-Harris will be too far behind him. I think there'll only be a small percentage difference there. Let's have a look. Best prop in 2021. Payne Haas at 33%. I probably thought he'd be a little bit higher, to be honest with you. James Fisher-Harris at 17 Okay. I didn't expect the gap to be that wide between the two of those. But then I, I guess, how high could I have expected Payne Haas to be at the same time? So it's probably fair. I think Fish is a good shout to be in the top three there. Then you've got Josh Papali at seven. Waria Hargraves at eight. Christian Welsh at nine. Daniel Saifidi, four. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah, Payne Haas, no big shock there. He has got that huge attacking upside, so it does make sense. Best hooker. Who is the best hooker in 2021? Jeez, has to be Brandon Smith, doesn't it? Brandon Smith, and then after that, it's Daylight and everyone else. Uh, I I would probably have Harry Grant second, to be honest with you, this year. Even though he's played limited footy, then I'd probably have, fuck, Reid Marnie, Jaden Braley, Damian Cook, Happy Curacao in some form of order there. Let's have a look. Uh, Who has been the best hooker in 2021? Brandon Smith at 54%. Completely fair. Could have been higher, and I wouldn't have pushed back on that. I think it's been a landslide victory for him this year. Damian Cook, number two at 14%. I guess he has played more footy than Harry Grant, so I can cop that. Harry Grant at 12% in really limited game time. Api Curacao, 6%. Reed Marnie at 7%. Jeez, Jaden Braley got 1%. Fuck, I thought he was really impressive to start the year. Um, I mean, at max, I probably thought he'd get 5%, but I thought he'd get more than 1%, considering Lachlan Croker's got 2%. I think that's really tough on Jaden Braley. Might have been the Hello Sport boys voting for Lachlan Croker a couple of times there. But Reed Marnie at 7%, I think that's a really good shout as well. But this is the Brandon Smith show here at Hooker. He's been unreal. Okay, Rookie of the Year. Wow, what about the rookie class we've seen this year? They have been sensational. Obviously, got Sammy Walker, Joshy Schuster. They're the two that I've really liked. Reese Walsh has been unreal. I was talking about it a couple of times. I think Dane Laurie, he won't get the votes that he should, but he should be right up there. He's really impressed me this year. Let's have a look. Rookie of the year. Sammy Walker wins this one with 35%. I probably thought he'd be a little bit higher. Reese Walsh, 27%. Joseph Suwali, the 1%. Josh Suster, 16%. Yeah, Dane Laurie, 8%. I think Dane Laurie deserves a little bit more than that. When you consider the team he's in and everything, I think he's been sensational. He's really flown under the radar, in my opinion. Jeez, Charlie Staines at 3%. That's got to be overs, doesn't it? Far out. Big Stefano at only 2%. I think he deserved more as well. I think he's been so good over the last six or eight weeks. Once again, I'm not sure when these votes were taken, but... 
Stefano, he deserves more than two. But Sammy Walker there, really hard to push back on that 35%. And Reese Walsh got a really discernment whack there as well. All right, best recruit who's been the buy of the year. We said Isaiah Papali'i on the Bloke in a Bar podcast the other day. Uh, I don't think you could possibly push back on that. I, I don't even know who else you'd throw up there. I, I think Finchie said Remus Smith, who I think will get some votes, but can't possibly not be Papali'i, especially if he got second row of the year. Best recruit, 35%. Isaiah Papali'i. David Fafita at 11%. Harry Grant, geez, stretch putting Harry Grant in there, at 11%. Benji Marshall, 7%. Reese Walsh, 11%. All pretty fair there. Best skipper in the NRL. Who is the best captain? Ah, oh, jeez. Okay. Um, I, th- I mean, probably when you look at the situation the Roosters have been in this year, I think you'd have to be looking at James Tedesco, the amount of leadership that he lost, and he's had to step into that role. I think he's done an incredible job. I think Adam Reynolds has been great at South Sydney as well, guided them through a lot of those wins. Um, I mean, I'm looking at the top teams, DCE, I mean... Until Tom Travojevic came back, really wasn't playing great footy. I think you'd probably have to go Teddy here, realistically. Who's the Penrith captain? Is it Isaiah Yo and Nathan Cleary? That'd have to be up there as well, I guess. Let's have a look. The best captain as voted for you guys, James Tedesco, 19%. Adam Reynolds, 15%. DCE, 12%. I reckon that's a little bit of overs. Roger Tuovasashek, 9%. Nathan Cleary, 16%. Yeah, I think all things considered, Teddy's probably the pick there. Who's been the most improved player? In 2021, I think you have to go Isaiah Papali'i here, don't you? Uh, A lot of guys have improved, no doubt about it, but hard to go past him. Let's have a look. Most improved. Oh, shit. Wow, okay. Isaiah Papali'i did get a fair whack of the votes, 24%. Nico Hines got 34%. I didn't even think of Nico Hines, to be honest with you, but a completely fair shout. Um, I think Nico Hines has always had this ability, to be honest with you. I... I just think you haven't seen enough of him. Uh, I think if you would have seen him as much last year as you did this year, you would have seen the same footy. He's always had this sort of talent, but I guess for a lot of people, it's the first time. Unless you watch Queensland Cup watching the Falcons, it's probably the first time you've seen this sort of footy from Nico Hines. So I understand that. Jerome Hughes at 10%. Yeah, um, I think he was sensational last year as well, as was Brian To'o realistically. I think we're just talking about these guys more that plays into that. But Nico Hines, very well deserved at 34% there. 2021 Premiers, who win the grand final? For me, it's always has been the Melbourne Storm. I think they'll get... Jeez, I think they could push 70% here. Let's have a look. Who will win the 2021 grand final? Melbourne Storm, 57%. Panthers, 14. Rabbitohs, 11. Seagulls, 10. Thought the Seagulls would be a little bit higher there, just quietly. Um, But yeah, the Storm at 57%, that is pretty dominant. A little bit lower than what I thought it was going to be, but maybe I was going a bit overs there. Which team do you like to see your team beat? Which team do you like to see your team beat? So this is essentially the team that you you love to hate. Um, I think the Roosters will be right up there. They always tend to be right up there. Um, I'm really interested to see what the Storm gets. I would have thought the Storm would be right up there, but with so many people saying they're going for the goddamn Storm, maybe people are starting to change their attitudes on Melbourne. I'm going to say the Roosters are the team that sides love to beat. Let's have a look. Wow, Melbourne. <laughs> Melbourne in a landslide. 32% for the Melbourne Storm. Roosters next at 13%. Panthers 10%. Broncos 10% as well. Melbourne, still the team people hate. Successful people. Franchise player, if you were starting a club, who is the first player you would sign? I think it has to be Tom Trevojevic. Um, after Tommy Turbo, I'd be looking at probably Nathan Cleary and maybe Harry Grant. James Tedesco would have to be right up there as well, no doubt about it. Let's have a look. Uh, Tom Trevojevic, 30%. Nathan Cleary at 28%. I think that's a pretty fair spread. The next best are 7% for Brandon Smith and for Teddy and then 5% for Latrell and Harry Grant. Kalen Ponga coming in at 4%. Payne Haas, 3%. And Cam Munster, 3% as well. Yeah, pretty fair whack there. Tommy Turbo would be my pick now, just off the form he's in right now. But Nathan Cleary being a halfback and goal kicking as well, that's massive. So I wouldn't push back if Nathan Cleary won it. But Turbo comes home just with that one slightly. Which player win the Dalian medal? A really interesting. I think everyone will say Turbo. But I'm not sure. Oh, he, he should still get there, shouldn't he? I mean, he, he is going to play the last two games. I'm expecting him to pick up a minimum minimum of four points over those last two weeks. I think he's probably played just enough footy to be able to catch a guy like Cody Walker. So I'm going to go with Tom Travojevic here, as did 66%. Interesting, Nathan Cleary's got more votes than Cody Walker. I think Cody Walker's going to really surprise a lot of people and get right up there. He's been unreal this year, especially in this 10-game winning streak. He's laying on two or three tries week in, week out. 
Referees on a scale of one to five, how would you rate the performance of the referees in 2021? Um, I think a lot of people will go very low here. I think the average might be two, uh, which I think is a little bit unfair. For, for everyone they get wrong, I mean, they get 99 right. I think that's what we sort of forget sometimes. But let's see how we voted. Okay, that's pretty fair. Uh, 18% of people gave them one out of five. 18% gave them two out of five. 39% gave them a three out of five. And 21% gave them a four out of five. So that's what... 60% of people said a 3 or a 4 out of 5. I think that's probably fair. Um, you, you can't give them a 5 out of 5. That would be perfect all the time, which they're not. Um, a 3 out of 4. A 3 out of 5 or a 4 out of 5. I think that's probably fair. So, well done, guys. I think that was a really a really good answer, really. Just to get a good measured answer. How often should the referee's bunker be used? The same, less, or more? Uh, Oh, I'd sort of go in between the same and less. I, I definitely wouldn't go more. Let's see what you guys had. Less, 52%. The same, 38%. More, 10%. Yeah, I, I don't think you could possibly ask for it to be used more. I agree with that one. Should the NRL bunker rule on forward passes? Uh, the options are yes, no, only for try-scoring plays, or don't care. Uh, I'd. It's hard. I really don't want us to get to the point of the game where we're drawing lines across the field to try and work out if it went forward or backwards. You're going to end up being like the NFL where you got the one-yard lines all the way up the field. Um, I'm happy to go no. I'm happy with forward passes just to go off the judgment of sideline referees, to be honest with you, but I doubt... Most of you will agree. So I think, uh, yes, we'll win this one. But I would vote for no. Let's have a look. Should the NRL bunker rule on forward passes? Yes, came in at 46%. No, 18%. Only for try-scoring plays, 34%. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't hate it for uh, only for try-scoring plays, I guess. It's just a hard thing to rule on. I just think it'll get really grey. Do you believe the NRL's new six-gen rule is a positive addition to the sport? Yes, I do. Uh, let's have a look. Yes, got 54%. No, 42%. Don't care, 5%. Interesting. How many captain's challenges should each team get? Zero, one, two, or three? I like the one, to be honest with you. Uh, you use it or you lose it. If you fuck it up, too bad. You lost it, and now it's up to the referee's decision, as it has been for 100 years. So if you're so confident you know the rules better than the referee's, back yourself in. I don't think you need more than one, realistically. I like what they're doing as well at the moment, that if you send it upstairs and they haven't got a definitive answer off the replays, it's just play on. You keep it, but the the ball goes to whichever way the, the referee called it. So I like that side of things. Oh, I think the captain's challenge has been really good, to be honest with you. Transfer windows. Would you like to see an introduction of a transfer window? Yes, I would. I imagine the vast majority of you guys would too. Let's have a look. Yes, 63%. No, 22 Don't care, 15%. Interesting, yeah. Oh, I definitely want a transfer window. I think that'll be the better way to go. Finals format. How many teams should contest in the NRL finals? The options are eight, less, or more. Um, I don't mind the eight. I also don't mind the more option. I understand that we want... I don't know. It's a tough one. I, I often think for for sport, the more sudden death games you have, the more people are interested, the more teams that are involved in the finals, the more people you get interested. Uh, but, I mean, when you look at the competition this year and some of the teams that are making it, they're going to make it in spots seven and eight. I mean, they are just filling gaps. And in most seasons, they wouldn't be top eight teams. So uh, you guys said eight Eight teams should make it 75%. Yep, fair shout. That's fair. Should the number of teams in the NRL change, keep it the way it is, add new teams in new locations, decrease the number of teams, relocate existing teams? I think most people will vote for add new teams in new locations. I would say keep it the way it is. Let's have a look. 50% said add new teams in new locations. 36% said keep it the way it is. Only 4% said decrease the number of teams. 10% said relocate existing teams. All right, we're down to the last few. Sinbin, do you support the increased use of Sinbin for foul play? I do 100%. I'm not expecting you guys to, though. Let's have a look. Yes, 66%. Wow. Good response there. I really like that. No, 31%. TV commentator, who is your favorite play-by-play caller? I've got to tell you, I listen to this on mute quite often all the time. I reckon there are some very, very average callers out there nowadays. I would probably go with Vossi would be my pick. I think Ray Rabbits Warren, I've loved him for a long time, but I think he is starting to drop off a little bit. Let's have a look. Vossi, 34%. Ray Warren, 29%. I think if you would have done this five years ago, it would have been a landslide to uh, Rabsy. But I think Vossi is definitely nipping at his heels now. TV analysis. Who is your favourite TV analysis? Options are Sterling, Johns, Cooper Cronk, Joey, Ennis, Gould, Fitler, Slater, Thurston. 
Cameron Smith, Lockyer, Alana Ferguson. Okay, for me, I would go Joey or Sterl, uh, Matthew Johns or Peter Sterling, without a doubt. Either of those two, I'd be happy to take. I like Sterling because he just sticks to footy. He doesn't try and be the funny guy in the room. He just talks footy, which I really like. But you want the humor side, Matthew Johns. I think Cooper Cronk, he's still sort of finding his way into commentary, but you can tell like the, the substance that he puts out there I quite like. Uh, I think he's just a few years away from being a proper sort of TV personality. Let's have a look. Peter Sterling came in at 23%. Matty Johns came in at 30, 13%. As did Cooper Cronk. Yeah, probably a fair shout there. Yeah, as I said, Sturlow, he would probably be my pick. Matty John's not far behind him. Speed of the game. What do you think of the speed of the game? Just right? Too fast? Too slow? I think it's just right. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for the other teams to catch up, but I think it will be worthwhile once they do. You guys voted just right. 65%. I like that as well. Good call. Two-point field goal. Do you like the introduction of the two-point field goal? Yes, no, don't care. Uh, I'm going to say yes. I think it has added in an entertainment factor. I wasn't really keen on it when it first came in. I thought it was a bit stupid. I thought you wouldn't see teams use it. But there has been a number of opportunities where you've seen a guy like Adam Reynolds who has delivered on those, and they have been attempted in big moments like Reese Walsh on the weekend. So I like the addition of it. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's hard to set up, um, and I think t- two points is a good, good little reward there for a really hard thing to set up, realistically. As that is, uh, that's all of the uh, fan votes here in the fan poll. So I really enjoyed going through that. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope it didn't get boring for you or anything. I just went through and read all those live to you guys, gave my live reaction as we went. So I uh, did pretty well on most of them. Took a Big, big few misses on a few others. Uh, So really good to see. Really enjoy this sort of content, guys. Have a cracking day. We'll talk to you throughout it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 